It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Wizards Podcast. It's your host, The Real Ed Oliver. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Today, we have a special guest back again, uh, Brad Rowland from the Locked On Hawks podcast. How are you feeling today? Yeah, man, it's uh, it's off season. We're trying to we're trying to get through every day, but here we are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, today we're going to talk about John Collins. The Wizards were reportedly interested, rumored or reportedly interested in trading for John Collins for multiple media outlets. Um, so I just want to get Brad's insight on what's going on over there with John Collins. We've heard you know the reports of him and Trey Young not getting along last year. We're going to talk about that a little bit. What it would take to acquire John Collins with the Hawks or look, is there any players on the Wizards on the Wizards roster that the Hawks like at all uh, from Brad's eyes? Um, but first, I just want to get some some insight on how John Collins is a player, how he's fit on the Hawks, how he would fit on the Wizards. So um, why are the why are the Hawks looking to trade John Collins? I know this has been brought up since last year, really a couple of years, but why are the Hawks even looking to trade John Collins? Man, that is the big question, huh? I, I, it's, it's crazy how many conversations I've had about this, and uh, I wish I had a better answer for you. The, the real answer is I don't know because I, I've always kind of been baffled by it, to be honest with you. Um, I think the the real answer is probably some combination of financial and just fit stuff. Um, you know, they they clearly did not want, they didn't necessarily want to go out of their way to pay John Collins when they did. Um, they kept him around because number one, he's really good, and number two, they had no they had no way to replace him when they resigned him. But they they never came to an agreement on an extension. Um, Collins and his agent wanted more than the Hawks wanted to offer, and I think that they weren't necessarily you know over the moon to give him the deal they gave him. It's a five year deal. It's for a bunch of money. I think it's a totally fine contract, but it's not like a huge bargain either. That's part of it, and the Hawks have some long-term money stuff because um, you know Trey Young's making a ton of money. They have a lot of uh, luxury tax concerns. They don't necessarily want to pay the luxury tax, so that's part of it. And I think that ultimately, um, John Collins paired with a non-shooting center is not the greatest uh, situation in the world. And I think the Hawks um, went out and traded for Clint Capella because they had to because they had to find somebody, and that actually worked very well. I think it's actually that partnership has worked out better than some people thought it was going to. And Collins is kind of sacrificed, which I'm sure we can get into. Um, on his own stats and his own game to make it up to make all that kind of work. But if you were drawing up a roster in a lab, you would not necessarily want to pair John Collins with Clint Capella. Um, that's part of it too. So I think that it's a fit thing. It's a money thing, but at the end of the day, he's, he's still really good, which is why they haven't traded him yet. They're, they're asking for a lot for him, which they should. Right. Yeah. And the fit with Porzingis, we'll definitely talk about that. You know, Porzingis is a guy that, you know, shoots threes and is a perimeter big. He's, you know, a unicorn as they call him. Um, but I did want to talk about 
hit John Collins fit with Trey Young. Um, what have you heard about the, those two guys and their chemistry? Uh, what, what has gone right? What has gone wrong with those two? Yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of reporting, uh, I guess it's more than a year ago now, about about those guys maybe having a little bit of a, of a, of a dust up. I think mm-hmm. I got really overblown, to be honest. And uh, But you know how that stuff works. Like once it's reported once, it just sticks. Like I'll do radio somewhere and someone will be like, what's the beef with John Collins? I'm like, they don't really have beef. Like they get along fine. They may not be mm-hmm. the best friends in the world, but like they're playing together in the Drew League. Um, this weekend, as we're recording this, and like they're not, uh, they're not beefing, in my understanding. I think they're, right. uh, they're they get along just fine. Uh, if they, if it really was bad, they would have moved John by now. I'm pretty confident in that. Trey has a lot of juice in the organization. He's their best player. He's the franchise guy. If they really truly didn't get along, they would have probably traded John by now. So mm-hmm. I think it could be a little bit overblown. And on the court, they've always played really well together. Like they have a great chemistry. Their pick and roll numbers are always fantastic. Um, there's always this argument in Atlanta about like how good John Collins is without Trey Young, which I think the numbers are actually better than people think they are, but there's this narrative of like, you know, Trey Young made John Collins. And it's like, well, clearly anyone benefits from playing with Trey Young. Trey Young, Trey Young has all, especially if you're a, uh, a a role guy, like Capella and Collins in, in particular have benefited a lot from playing with Trey, but Collins has been really good no matter what. He was good uh, alongside other guys as well. So I think at the end of the day, those guys may not be like the absolute best of friends, but I think it's a little bit overblown they, and they actually get along pretty well on the court for sure. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, so I know Sean's reported that John Collins wasn't happy with his role in the offense or the touches he was getting. So it is interesting because if he comes to the Wizards, you know, he would be behind, he would be behind Bradley Bill and behind Chris Esprazingas. He would, you know, be the third guy on the team, depending on whether we give up Kuz or somebody else. But yeah, so I don't I don't see John, you know, if those reports are true from Shams, I don't know how happy he would be on the Washington Wizards. Um, but I do want to talk about his offensive game. You talked about him. You know, you know, people think that he's reliant of Trey Young off the pick and roll or pick and pop. Um, how much self-creation does John Collins re- really create by himself? Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons that you probably and obviously Sean's reported that is that they kind of have asked John to be more of a role player on offense in the last mm-hmm. year and a half. And it's because of Capella in a lot of ways, which it's not a bad thing, but. For, especially for the first two years that Trey and John played together, Collins was the primary and really only rim threat for the Hawks. So his usage rate last year in year five was basically the lowest it's been since he was a rookie. And that, you know, no matter who you are, you're not going to necessarily love getting lower usage and having to change your game to make it other easy for other people. Um, the good thing about Collins, as we get sort of get into his role, is like he can do that. Like one of the reasons why it's worked in Atlanta is that he's capable of just becoming uh, more of a pick and pop guy and shooting more on the perimeter and all that stuff. But as a self-creation thing, I don't think he's the most uh, dominant guy on the ball, which I think if you watch him long enough, your Hawks fans don't always love that he can't like go get his own necessarily all the time. I think he's a pretty good post player, particularly against fours um, when he, and he plays mostly the four these days. Um, but he's not someone that you're going to throw the ball to on the perimeter and just say, go get a bucket. That's not necessarily his game. He is more of a play finisher than a creator, but he can play finish in different ways. Like he's a really good floater guy. He's a really, really sort of elite finisher in terms of the pick and roll at the rim, lob threat, and his touch is incredible around the rim. And he's a pretty good shooter at this point from the perimeter. So like he's what I would call like an elite play finisher rather than a play creator, which can definitely give you drawbacks. But if on a team like the Wizards or a team like the Hawks, where he's not necessarily going to be the number one threat, that's okay. To be the number three guy, you don't have to create your own offense a ton. And that's probably his, like, at least, at least on offense, his probably number one weakness is that he's not this number one shot creator, but he doesn't necessarily have to be either. 
Right. Yeah, and I, I see, you know, he's shooting 37% from the three-point line. He's a really good finisher. He's a really good lob threat. Uh, I remember the Sixers series where you guys upset them, and he caught a couple of lobs dunking on Joel Embiid, and Trey Young would throw it off the backboard for John Collins. So John Collins is an elite finisher, as you say, and he's a he's a he's a hybrid big that can really shoot the three. So I I like his game a lot. I like his game a lot. I do want to get to him defensively and what are some cons about his game defensively. But uh, before we do get to that, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so I just want to talk about John um, defensively. Where is he best at defense? Is he better guarding fours or is he better at the five position? Where do you see him excelling the most at the either at the power forward position or at the center spot? Yeah, one of the tricky things about Collins and maybe one of the reasons why like he's not always a favorite of like the more, I don't know, like draft Twitter crowd, for instance. People don't necessarily love like like kind of team building wise, not like the perfect analog because he really is better at the five on offense and better at the four on defense, which is like a, t- a tough archetype. Now in Washington, I'm sure you're going to ask me this, but like him and KP actually fit quite well together in theory because of what Porzingis does. Um, but defensively, I think that Collins got a bad rap and I think he earned it early in his career. Like I was someone on this, on this side too. Like he was a terrible defender in college. He was a bad defender early in his NBA career. I think that kind of stuck to him in a lot of ways. I think he's pretty okay to even pretty good at the four now. What he can't do for you is anchor your defense at the, at the five. If you're playing him at the five, you're either trying to switch everything or you're hoping that your four is a really good defender because that's not what he's going to be. He's 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 like he's like six nine. He's not like the longest guy in the world either. He's a good athlete for sure, but if he's your primary rim protector, you're not going to have a great defense. That's just reality of it. But I think he's underrated at the four. I think he's a pretty good positional defender at this point in time. He's a good secondary rip protector, like a good weak side shot blocker. Um, and obviously had, at the four has great size. I mean, at, at the four being six, nine, like two thirty, like he is like, and with his athleticism, he's that's great size at the four. And I think overall, he's a pretty solid defender. As long as you don't slot him in spots where he's not necessarily going to be comfortable. Like you can't make him, there's been this theory forever. And I used to have it too, like have John Collins at the five as a primary. And I think it would work with like a perfect four next to him. But for the most part, he is a four now. And I think that that's probably where he should be. Now, is he not good at the five because of his frame, just because he's so lean and, and thin? That's part of it. I think that just like lack of size too at the five and like as a rim protector, like an, an anchor style, like Capella, like rim protector, he just doesn't have that kind of juice um, mm-hmm. rebounding wise too. Like he's a good rebounder at the four. He's not a great rebound at the five as like your primary guy. He's just undersized. And like some guys can pull that off. Like a Kong on the Hawks roster has been playing center his whole life. And it's kind of like a freak athletically defensively. Um, that guy can play the five full time. Whereas Collins 
is better suited to be the number two guy on your back line. Like be a secondary rim protector, play with someone who can uh, either at least be as good as he is as a rim protector to have kind of that joint forces. What you don't want to have him be is like your, your back line defender, have, the, have it be your only guy that's kind of tasked with just walling up at the rim because he's kind of small for that role and not always the most like physically dominant defender. Mm-hmm. All right. So you, you talked about Porzingis. How do you see him fitting next to Porzingis? Um, you said John is better at guarding fours and then playing at the five on offense. Porzingis, he struggles guarding quicker bigs. Um, there's some guys who, like, Winnie Gabriel from the Lakers was driving past Chris Epps Porzingis a couple times very easily. Um, but Chris Epps, I think he's just better offensively at the five. I think when he's when he has slower bigs against him, he can just lull them out to the three and knock down threes. And if he does, you know, a quick pump fake or, you know, a stutter dribble, he can just get right by guys. So how do you see uh, John and Chris as fitting together? And do you think that would be a better fit than him next to Clint Capella? Yeah, I think in theory, um, Collins Borzingas makes a ton of sense. It's not exactly the same, but kind of similar to Miles Turner, which is another pairing that people have always kind of wanted for John Collins. Basically, the archetype, mm-hmm. like you said, the unicorn type of a five who can protect the rim and also shoot is perfect for Collins because ultimately while as good as Collins is, as a pick and pop guy, and he's pretty good at that. He's better as you referenced earlier. So did I, like he's an elite rim threat as a, as a guy diving into the rim. And if you have a center that can space the floor, you can sort of unlock that in a way you can't when your center is in the ducker spot. Like if, if Capella's on the floor or your tradition, your traditional centers on the floor, they're just kind of in the way of Collins being a rim threat. He's going to have right. to be more of a pop, more of a pop guy. So if Porzingis, like you said, is like in a little guy's asleep going off the perimeter that works because Collins can then be the guy that dives and shoots. Like if you want to have Porzingis be the role man, you can you can still do that and have Collins space to the perimeter. And then defensively, like there are mixed um, evaluations of Porzingis as a, as a as a defender overall. But like at least he's a seven three guy who can wall up at the rim. Like that's he could definitely do that. And I think that's a again kind of what you want with Collins, who's pretty decent on the perimeter as a four. He's not great at that. Like he's not he's not who you want to guard like Jason Tatum on on the perimeter, but he can guard most fours in space and also be your number two rim protector. So like in theory, it checks a lot of boxes. Like I'm not telling you it's perfect until you actually see it. You never really know. But I think mm-hmm. that for both parties, having Porzingis is more of a pop guy on offense with Collins as the, as, as the role man, and also giving Porzingis a little bit of help as a guy who's like has great power forward size and athleticism next to him on defense. That kind of makes sense on both ends, both ends of the floor. Right. Yeah, I think offensively it would be it would be solid. Both of those guys can stretch the floor and shoot. They're athletic. They're both rim runners and can finish above the rim. Um, and then defensively, you know, they both are solid shot blockers. Porzingis averaged one and a half shot, uh, blocks per game in the 17 games that he played with the Washington Wizards. So that would be intriguing as well. But it would be a new age of the NBA. You look at what the Timberwolves are doing, other teams are doing, you know, having, you know, big, uh, taller bigs. They're trying to have different mismatches and different. The Cleveland Cavaliers are doing it as well, with Evan Mobley and uh, Jared Allen. So it would be intriguing to have two bigs that can really knock down the three and are, are u- unicorns in a sense. Um, so looking at the Wizards roster, is there anybody that really interests you that can come in and help the Hawks right now for a playoff push? The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yeah, I think other, other the, than Bradley Bill. Yeah, of course. Time. Of course. Uh, no, I think that one of the reasons why Collins has not been traded yet, to go back to the very beginning of this conversation, is that the Hawks have always been asking for A, a lot, and also B, mm-hmm. they want a starting caliber power forward back and more because they still want to win. And there's nobody on their roster. Like they, they, they drafted Jalen Johnson, who I like, but he's not proven. And I think the Hawks are still in kind of a win now mode. So um, I think it has to start with Kuzma, to be honest. It's, mm-hmm. It, it has to be Kuzma and more. Um, I was actually a little bit low on Kuzma early in his career um, with the Lakers. I think it's kind of like, you know, more of this like high usage offensive player. I think last year he was pretty good and he's got, he's got a lot better defensively. Um, that would be the guy that has to be in the deal, I think, for what the Hawks are asking for. And then it kind of becomes like what else – is there in addition to Kuzma, both to fill the salary and also kind of just round out the trade offer. And it really depends on what you think of Kuzma. I honestly don't know what the Hawks make of Kuzma, but I think that that has to be where it starts. And then you get into like the secondary guys beyond that again, because you have to fill more salary. Collins makes like almost 10 million more than Kuzma. So they have to, you have to match with mm-hmm. somebody else, whether it be, you know, go on the list of, you know, your Rui, Denny, Kispert, all that, all that kind of that tier of guy. But mm-hmm. I'm really not sure what the Hawks think of Kuzma. And that honestly would be, most of what the deal has to hinge on. If they don't like Kuzma, I don't really see an offer that makes sense. If they do, then obviously it could be possible. Right. Out of the three young guys that you named, Denny, Rui, Kuzma, I mean, Denny, Rui, or Corey Kisper, that could possibly be included in a, in a deal, which one stands out to you the most? Uh, I probably like Denny the most of those three guys. Um, mm-hmm. I've never been the biggest Rui fan, and I think that um, for what the Hawks already have on their roster, I don't think he makes a ton of sense, especially if you're already getting Kuzma in the deal. You know, Denny is uh, certainly, for me anyway, as a draft prospect, I think what we've seen in Washington, Profiles is like more of a connector on a good team, like a, a role player, but certainly someone who could be pretty valuable both as the floor. Um, that'd be who I would ask for in addition to Kuzma if I was the Hawks. Um, Kispert's an, obviously an, an intriguing play to, player too. Um, I hope that he's going to make shots eventually. Is that supposed to be his number one appeal? He's right. not necessarily done that. As I'm, I'm sure you will will know at this point. But he's also on the older side too. If I'm the Hawks, like I probably want a little bit more juice than Kispert, who they kind of already have a little bit of a facsimile of him already. So um, for me, if I'm the Hawks, I'm probably asking for Kuzma, Rui, and something else, and we'll see if that is enough. Um, but again, like you have to like Kuzma because for me, I'm, the one thing I know about the Hawks is that they want to win now. And they have to really like the player coming back that's going to be their starting power forward from day one. And that, um, you know, that's there was rumors about Sacramento and Harrison Barnes and like every single deal that I've ever heard with John Collins that had any legs included a guy that they liked enough to start at the four. And I think that has to be Kuzma and more. Right. It makes sense. Corey Kispert, he shot the ball better in the second half of the year. I know the first half he struggled, but he shot 38% from the three point after the all star. I want to say the all star break of the trade deadline. He definitely got a lot better from the three point line. Um, so yeah, I know it would most likely, like you said, take Kuzma first round pick and probably Denny or Rui, maybe all three of them just to match salaries. So how likely other than even the wizards, or would you take a package of Kuz, Rui and Denny in a first or Kuz, Barton in a first would, would, would you, if you were the GM, would you entertain that? Um, I think it's an interesting package. Uh, you know, the Martin thing is interesting too. Like that's, I don't think that the Hawks would do that because they would take on money in that deal. And the Hawks do not want to take on money. I will not mm-hmm. bore you with the details on that, but they do, they right. do not want to pay the tax. Um, but I think that realistically, if they were going to trade him, which personally I would not have been as eager and would not be listening as hard as the Hawks are. So my opinion and their opinion are different. 
if they have decided that they still want to trade him, that's a pretty good return. If you're getting Kuzma, Rui, uh, not sorry, Kuzmi, Kuzma, Denny, and a first, that's pretty mm-hmm. good value for John Collins in my mind. Would I personally do that? Probably not. But if they did that deal, I wouldn't come on the podcast and rip them for it because they, they right. clearly want to, um, at least on some level, explore moving him still. I'm a little higher on Collins than the consensus. I will certainly acknowledge that. Um, and maybe a little bit lower on Kuzma than the consensus, which kind of explains the gap for me. But honestly, if they are urgent to do it, this is one of the one of the more decent packages you can probably find for the Hawks. And here we are in late July. Like I'm now guessing that they, that they don't move him. Um, there was a time in late June when I was like 80% that they were going to trade him. And I've been the mm-hmm. guy who famously, it's like, no, they're not, they're not going to move him. Don't worry about it. And even I was like, with all the stuff that I heard behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, all that stuff, like it's like they were moving him and they just didn't do it. So like they're holding out for a real return. And that's the thing that people don't understand necessarily because it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like why would you peddle a guy so publicly for two years, basically in trade rumors and still be asking for full value, but they're still asking for full, for full value by all accounts. So we'll see. Right. Yeah. I, I, um, I think, I think we, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't see John Collins getting traded right now, maybe before the season or something like that, but it, it'd probably be okay if you guys just kept him. You have DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, Clint Capella, John Collins. You have a solid roster. Um, you traded away Kevin Herter, so you guys made some solid moves here and there. So uh, it will be very intriguing. So, um, But Kuzma, yeah, he to, to hype up Kuzma, I, I think the Wizards might as well just keep him as well. I, don't, I think getting John Collins would be somewhat of a lateral move. I don't think it really pushes the Wizards you know, past the better teams in the Eastern Conference. To be honest, um, but Kuzma, he had a, he had a good year in the second half of the year. He had a, he had a good year all around. He shot the three better, um, had a triple double, was a good rebound. He was super super clutch as well. So, but he might not be somebody that the the Hawks are really looking for. But um, Brad, I just want to thank you for coming on once again, uh, giving some insight on John Collins and Delon Wright. Uh, I just want to thank you guys for listening, making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. Now, for your second listen, get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just thirty minutes every day with Locked On NBA. Locked on NBA, your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. So make sure you guys subscribe to Locked on Wizards on YouTube and hit the notification bell. Hail to the Wizards. Peace. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.